So here we are, third week of Lent. All right. Wow. Is this Laetare Sunday? I think that's next week. Uh. <laughs> oh, did we get to wear pink? Yeah, Rose, Louie, Rose. Oh, Rose. Yeah, I forget, how, I forget how sensitive priests are sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pink. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, uh, is it, it might not be this week. I don't ever know. It just kind of springs up on you. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Like spring. There. <laughs> oh. See what I did there? <laughs> All right, so looking at... Looking at these readings, here we are in the middle of Lent. The first reading is the burning Moses in the burning bush, and I'm still kind of struck that we're that we're really focusing on who God is. Still, like God is the one who comes in the cloud. Basically, everything that's summed up in the second reading. You know, you'd think we've been doing this for a while. We should kind of get the picture right now. Even with that being said, I still think it's a really kind of a great lead up to the gospel reading. So we're looking at God revealing Himself to Moses. I am. I am who I am. St. Paul kind of gives us a, a recap of what has happened throughout salvation history. And he says at the very end, uh, I think it's very fascinating. Therefore, whoever thinks he is standing secure should take care not to fall. And I think that's really beautiful because we forget who we are and where we've come from. And we still try to stand up and think we're standing secure when we're really not. When we have no foundation which is why I think this parable of the fig tree in the gospel is so is so fascinating. You know, it gets a lot of hype as being kind of harsh, Jesus being harsh. Just cut it down. The fig tree needs cultivation. There's a person taking care of it who probably hasn't done its job very well and then begs whoever it was that was going to cut it down to, to leave it for a year, let me take care of it. And if it still doesn't bear fruit, then okay, we'll bear it down. So there's this really wonderful, I think, calmness and mercy there that Jesus is speaking to us about that, you know, yeah, we're going to forget who we are and where we've come from, and we might even become somebody that bears bad fruit. But if you do not repent, then you will perish as they did. So if we keep on our path of ignorance, then, yeah, we'll probably end up being cut down just like that fig tree is. But if we repent and live the gospel then there's hope. Um, so that's kind of this, that's that's kind of the main theme that I was thinking of for these readings, taking a good, honest look at who we are as human beings, as fallen, as broken, and yet given the right care, the right cultivation, then even that can end with repentance, then we can, we can share in that Christian hope. I think even just that symbolism to pair the burning bush with the barren fig tree to show that these two figures are really to be held side by side this burning bush is a symbol of god's promise to his people and after years and years and years of that covenant being held by god but broken by his people over and over and over again and them coming back over and over again that they would relate to this fig tree saying at this moment in this time This is not a recognizable, fruitful tree. And yet God is saying, give it one more year. You know, that gardener in the story is saying, let's give it one more year to repair, one more year to bear good fruit. There's this sense that even though sometimes we don't recognize the burning bushes in our lives that are right in front of us, through repentance, through our efforts, through cultivation and God's grace, we could have hope and we're meant to have hope. I think, you know, Louis, you said something that 
I wanted to add some more nuance to 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 even add to Jonathan the way that you were summarizing before. See, I, I think there's a fundamental question in the gospel, and that is, if, if I were to have to pick a, like a character that symbolizes God in the parable, I'm not exactly sure that God is the one telling the gardener to cut down the tree. Like I interpreted it as God is the gardener. And so what, I, what why that's important to me is because it's God as the gardener who's cultivating the ground, not the tree. So if I'm the tree, then I, maybe I would just push back a little bit on what you were saying. It's like, it's not really up to me to cultivate the ground around me. This is, I think, more of a statement of how God is laboring to till the soil around me to prepare the ground for my repentance. Like the act of asking for forgiveness is itself a grace. So like when Jesus says repent, he's not leaving us alone to say, I will not give you grace until you repent. He's also laboring to prepare the ground around us so that we can repent, you know, by giving us the grace necessary. And the reason I, I focus on it that way is because in, in the first reading, there's a great line that God says to Moses, I have come down to rescue my people. I, I, fo I focus, I guess, a little bit on how a lot of this is about God's initiative to save his people more so than my initiative to reform my life. And maybe they're not mutually exclusive, but I guess maybe just a different emphasis. Yeah, and that could be tied into Lent as well. Like, we've got to do something. We can't just sit by passively and wait for God to come and rescue us. We've got to actively seek out that grace and that love in our lives. It's given to us freely and irresponsibly. Mm -hmm. um, but we have to actively say yes to it. And that's not always easy because Jesus is calling us to a really kind of a scandalous lifestyle of mimicking that irresponsible love that just gives to whoever is there. Mm -hmm. If you think of the dynamic of Lent, even if you fail on your fasts, the resurrection is coming. Jesus is going to die and rise again. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop that train from going. Um, and there's just, I think, something really reassuring there is that God is laboring fiercely, both before you even try to do anything, but while you're doing something, and also afterwards, he's sort of laboring all throughout, tilling the soil, you know? I think also there's a tendency during Lent to think a lot about ourselves and, you know, my fast, my repentance, my sinfulness, my forgiveness, the grace that God is giving to me. And as I'm looking at this reading about the fig tree, I'm wondering if part of the invitation is to recognize that there are people who I stand back and say, that tree is not bearing good fruit. Mm. There are people who I look at and say, that person is not doing the right thing. That person is not saved by God. That person doesn't know God, doesn't know grace. Mm. And yet we see here God as the gardener still making every effort to cultivate the ground beneath that person. I think part of the statement is that no one is beyond redemption. Even if we stand back and see this rotten tree, that God is going to make every effort to reach out to that person. That applies to me, of course, but probably even more challenging, it applies to everyone around me. And that is something that I struggle to believe in all the time, but I think is, is the real radical call that we're talking about. That it's not just about my own salvation, but it's about the salvation of those who who I struggle to love, mm -hmm. who I struggle to care for. Just because I'm struggling to cultivate that soil that they're in, and just because I'm struggling to care for them, doesn't mean that God isn't stopping in that effort. Right. 
it's it's hard enough to believe that God is working in my life, but to have to extend that to even one more person or two is scandalizing. I'd rather believe that God isn't working in other people's lives because I don't like them. It's a, it's a... <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I did pick up from last week's homily was um, he used the creed and the Our Father as kind of the basis for his preaching. And he kind of left us all with this contemplation on, we look at how we profess our faith. I believe in God, et cetera, et cetera. And then what do we do? Our Father who art in heaven. Hmm. So it starts with the personal and develops into the communal. Hmm. And so it, if it only stays there with the personal, I mean, I guess that's okay. That's good. But it's not, it's not what Jesus is asking us to do. It's to take into account everybody around me as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about Exodus, the Exodus story that we're reading here, it's God saving a people. It's not God saving a person. There's a great line in the first reading, God telling Moses, I have heard their cry. I know well what they are suffering. There's something really beautiful about God here, that God is the kind of God who hears our prayers, but also the kind of God who, before we even cry, knows our suffering, knows what we're going through, even as a people. You could do something in this train of thought with I am who am, or I am who I am, that name of God. Really, the the person with the biggest ego in the Gospels and in the Old Testament is God. And God <laughs> is this I. And everyone else is a we. And compared to that great I am, uh, we stand as one people. That so often I make myself a God by saying, well, I do this or I get this. But really, from God's perspective, he's the only I, hmm. and the rest of us are down here as a collective we. Yeah, I like that. No, I was thinking of, as you were talking about that, Louis, um, you know, St. Paul, not in this passage, but he he echoes that sentiment when he says, you know, I do all of these things, not I, but Christ Christ within me. Um, and so he's he also, I think, is negating that that I, that personal I that we oftentimes throw around. Um, that we have to keep in mind that it's not me, it's God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even from evening prayer, uh, not to us, Lord, not to mm-hmm. us, but to you be the glory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the focus of our prayer and the focus of our lives, that it's, it's not about me, it's about you. Very cool. Um, any final thoughts on this uh, third Sunday of Lent? Yeah, I wonder if like as a thread throughout a homily like this, you could do something with the burning bush and the barren fig tree and then and then ultimately the cross mm-hmm. because the fruit of the barren tree is Christ's body on the cross that uh, he is taking this symbol and not only metaphorically but quite literally becoming a fruit for the world and that's why we're still talking about this is because that great fruit which was his sacrifice on the cross. Yeah, I think there's something you could do there that would be really powerful for people. Yeah, I mean, you can extend you can extend the tree imagery all the way back to Eden and, you know, the, the tree of life and death that leads to our damnation. And then you have the burning bush. You ultimately have this fig tree, but then also the mustard seed that grows into a large bush and then ultimately the tree of the cross. All of them, you know, are in this theme of God providing good fruit for us to live or... If we eat of the wrong tree or don't provide good fruit, then it, it's our own death. Yeah, there's this great, I mean, I wrote a paper on why the symbol of the tree is so important to us. 
and looking at how this is a symbol of life pretty much across the board for cultures. You hmm. know, in Norse mythology, Yggdrasil is the tree of, of the cosmos. It's holding all the nine realms. Um, and so you've got this great image. And I think that's, again, why that's used for us is because we've got the tree, the two trees in Eden. And we get a little bit of tree imagery, you know, the, the stump of Jesse. So it's starting to grow again. Mm, yeah, that's good. Uh, and then it comes to its fullness in the cross. And so it's what was broken has now been remade into something stronger. Very cool. All right. Well, pleasure talking to you guys as always. Wonderful. Good job, man. Thank you. Signing off.